Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Recovery from Relapse Overeaters Anonymous meeting. My name is Reed Q. Today is Tuesday, the 14th of September, 2021. And today I'm very delighted to welcome Michael P. Michael is from Boston, Arlington, Massachusetts. That's where he is now. He came to OA in 1986, and he is now going to share his experience, strength, and hope. Take it away, Michael. Uh, thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael. I'm a food addict. Uh, I'm going to share some pictures. Uh, I'll just, uh, it's a loop and I'll share it, uh, let it run through a couple times and then stop. Um, as soon as I find that window. There it is. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've been coming around since the mid eighties. I am maintaining a 155 pound weight loss. And I've gained more than 500 pounds in my life. Excuse me, lost more than five. Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? Uh, and I, I uh, was able to lose more than 500 pounds in my life by going up and down uh, uh, at uh, huge swings, uh, 130 pounds twice. Uh, when I was uh, first in my teens and in my 20s. Uh, let's see. I know I want to talk about these things. I want to talk about the steps. I want to talk about higher power. And then I'll start with relapse and see if I can keep a through line. I often digress and then forget what I was talking about. And I'll ask you to be patient with me. Um, One thing I know about relapse is that the food is the last to go. And uh, what I mean by that, by the way, none of this is you know unique wisdom to me. It's stuff I've heard in the rooms and things I've, I've witnessed and things I've experienced. Uh, I think I'm right, but it doesn't mean I am. Definitely open to questions afterwards or uh, my uh, contact information is in the chat. It's also in my little box. Uh, so uh, feel free to reach out if you uh, if you want to. By the time the, the things that I know this for, very rarely do I am I in maybe never am I in stable abstinence one day and binging the next day. For me, it is a matter of boundaries. I need to have clear boundaries. And when I let little boundaries, what people in the rest of the world would call, you know, uh, silly, minor, anal retentive boundaries, when I let little boundaries go, the only thing that happens is that I get, you know, if you view it as like a, 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 one of those races with the, with the, the hurdles. Every time I get past a boundary, a hurdle, I just get to move ahead a little further to the next boundary. And every time, you know, it might be over a very long period of time where I think, I don't have to do that anymore, uh, that I get to, the, to binging. It's always, for me, uh, progressive. It's not cataclysmic. So when I say the food is the last to go, that's what I'm talking about. By the time, you know, when I'm, well, you know, 
yeah, I'm not doing this and okay, I'm not doing that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm abstinent. First of all, that's good. Being abstinent is better than not being abstinent. I'm not saying differently. But when I let little things go, one of two things is happening. One is it's inconsequential. And the other is it's on the path to relapse. And the only way to know which it is, is to get to some eventual outcome and look back. So when I worry about little boundaries, I'm keeping myself from ever getting to the big ones. Uh, so if you know you're having the experience, well, when I had the experience of thinking, well, I'm still abstinent. It's not bad, or it's not bad yet. You know, I, that's when I'm in most trouble. Okay, I think that's a couple times where I'll stop sharing. Uh, There's a story in the big book. Uh, I bet you're familiar with it, but maybe not, I guess. Uh, the guy is a car salesman at an agency that his family used to own and he lost it. And, but he's, so now he's an employee. He has a uh, mild um, argument with his boss. He decides to go into the country where he knew he would find prospects, um, which I think it's, I guess they sold cars differently in those days. And he stops in at a, at a place to eat and has a, orders a sandwich and some milk. And then he decides, well, if I put some whiskey in the milk, it can't hurt me. And so that went okay didn't seem to be causing a problem, so we had another one. And that's the part that I'm referencing. It didn't seem a problem, so we had another one. What he was doing was continuing to go until it was a problem. And I can definitely relate to that. To say, well, I, I, I'm not that bad yet, it's implied in the statement. I'm gonna keep going until it is that bad yet. And the only way for me to not get to that bad is to stop earlier, to worry about the small boundaries because then the big ones will never come into view. Uh, okay, the uh, steps. But what I want to say is, is that uh, I started coming to meetings. I was sent by a nutrition, uh, excuse me, a, a, a therapist in the uh, mid to late 80s. And I didn't want to. I didn't think that food addiction existed. I didn't think that I was a food addict if it did exist. And I didn't want to go sit around and talk with people about it. No interest whatsoever. But he kept very gently me toward that. So I went to a meeting and then I was, he's, you know, he said, well, how about, you know, then he said, go to another one. And then he said, well, how about if you go to more than one in a week? And, you know, just gently nudging. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, the, uh, in the big book, we regard uh, 
Dr. Silkworth, or they wrote in the book, they regarded Dr. Silkworth, Silkworth as a medical saint. Well, that's how I think of this guy. His name is Robert Deutsch, and he's in West Hartford, Connecticut. I always like to mention his name just to give him his due. He's the one who, he, what I liked about what he did is that he didn't insist on fixing me. He made an assessment and he was aware of tools that might help me and he kept pushing me toward them. And his business model was to help me enough that I would fire him. And that's pretty selfless. I guess if there's an unending supply of uh, people who need help and there's great demand for services, he's fine, you know, I, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. Um, so I was going to meetings for a long time and then he asked me to go to rehab, suggested I go to rehab for food. And I did that in 1991, nine weeks. And uh, one of the suggestions they made was uh, to do 90 and 90 when I got out and I did 86 and 90, which turned out to be the perfect number for me. Um, I was never not at a meeting if I could get there, but you know, one day I had a doctor's appointment or uh, you know, stuff like that, you know. And uh, you know, at the end of 90, I asked him and I asked my sponsor, what should I do now? And they said, well, what do you want to do now? And for me, that ended up being five meetings a week back then. This was in 1991 and 1992. Um, I had read the big book. I had done the fourth and fifth step several times, but in the first 10 or 12 years, despite all that stuff, I had not joined Overeaters Anonymous. I thought I had, but I hadn't. And the measure for that that I use is that I had not engaged in the program of recovery as it's laid out in the 12 steps. Uh, if you've heard me before, I know Rita has, um, maybe some others as well. You've heard me say this because it's something I get to all the time. I don't say that OA or just the 12 steps in general for all the addictions and behaviors that they're applied to are the only way to get better. I don't think they're uh, um, infallible or... I don't regard the big book as some people regard the Bible. Uh, what I say is that I came and it helped me. And, you know, that's really all I need to know for, you know, for this, for this uh, matter. But the book, uh, what I, the reason I bring that up is that if somebody comes to the rooms of any blank A, and wants to get what those, the people they see are getting. I'm sorry about my dog. I'm gonna have some, business, uh, some service people here and it's gonna be noisy. I guess I can close the door if she doesn't shut up. Um, you know, if, if someone comes into the rooms and sees things that they want for themselves, and they want to know how we got it. Well, we tell them, you know, the you know what, you know the totality of what we know. Uh, and then these people have a choice to do it or not. What I'm saying is, is, if I walk into the rooms, I see things I want, and I ask them how they do it, and then I don't do it, then I have no complaints about why it's not working for me. And the big book is very clear. 
again, I don't think of it as divinely inspired. I think of it as it was written by people. Um, I think it's very wise, but not infallible. Nevertheless, if I come in and I ask, how do you do it? And they say, here's the book. And then you open the book and you get to chapter five and it says how it works. Then if I decide to stay and I want what they get, that's how you do it, how it works. And for the first 10 or 12 years, I did not work the steps as they were laid out in the big. And during that 10 or 12 years, I gained and lost weight, not seldomly. Now, when you start off at 365, be 50 and still be a hundred pound loser. So it all looks good. But uh, I went up and down. I had periods of binging. I didn't understand why. Uh, and, uh, and I was, uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna close the door. So my point in going through all that is that uh, I hadn't joined the program because the pro here's what the program is and I hadn't done what the program is. Now, of course, it's not just the steps, it's a whole lot more. But you know, regarding the tools, I, 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 I use the tools often. I respect the tools. I'm not saying anything against the tools, except that it's not a nine tool program. It's a 12 step program. And everything we do supports, in my opinion, my experience, everything we do, including with the tools support the steps, because the steps is how we get better. I remember thinking, I'm very, uh, uh, intellectual, you know, uh, you know, um, intellectually minded, which doesn't make me make, make me an intellectual. Uh, so, you know, uh, I worship the God, uh, I, I worship the God of intellect. Yeah, I think that's in the big book. Um, Was one of my digressions, lost my train of thought. So I've been coming for a long time and I hadn't done the 12 steps as it laid out in the big book. I, I complained to a sponsor during that time, why am I not getting the promises? Well, uh, the promises are on page 83, bottom of 83, top of 84 in the big book. And they, you know, we hear it at many meetings, we end the meetings with the promises, but we lose the context. We will be amazed before we are halfway through is one of the statements, halfway through what? Well, page 83 and 84 is a discussion of step nine. So the book says that we offer you these promises before we were halfway through the ninth step. Well, I hadn't been halfway through the ninth step, so how could I complain I wasn't getting the promises? So during that time, I did go up and down. I did have to leave uh, my life a few times to go away for treatment. Now, uh, the nine weeks in 1991 was an entirely different uh, era in healthcare. Uh, and I never did anything like that again, but I have done you know, five day intensives, things like that were actually, or weekends, where I had to go away because I couldn't stop it on my own. Or I had the feeling that I wasn't smart to wait around uh, and see if I could stop it on my own. It had enough, it, I felt 
a degree of uh, loss of control that I just figured I better do something. And I got something, it's an outside issue. I'm not gonna mention it specifically, but someplace where I go for that. And, uh, and I needed to do that, you know, not seldomly during those first 10 to 12 years. Fact is, I've needed to do it since then too. You know, I, I would love it if I could own my recovery. I would purchase it. I would pay a great deal of money for it because it has offered me, brought me so much in my life. But my experience is that it is not for sale. It is only available for rent a day at a time. If I put in, I will get out. And if I, well, actually, whatever I put in, it's what I get out. If I put in uh, disregard or uh, laxity, that's what I get out. Uh, I don't know if it's fair to call what I did in those first 10 to 12 years when I was eating relapse. Because, you know, at that point, I was uh, engaged in what you could call aided dieting. You know, there are all these uh, stages that, you know, I identify, uh, you know, there is not dieting, there's dieting, there's aided dieting, and then there's recovery. And left to right, uh, each one is better than one before, but the only one really worth a damn is, in my opinion, in my experience, is recovery. Aided dieting, by what I mean by that is like, I came to the rooms, I didn't gain sponsorship, uh, actually on both ends, but I, nobody ever stuck with me and I didn't get why. It was because I didn't have anything to uh, share. I wasn't that stable myself, but I thought I did. Hey, I'm a hundred pound loser. I must be pretty great. Um, and I wrote a journal, which is something I got assigned to do in rehab and just kept doing for years and years afterwards. So I was in, engaged in these uh, tools and thinking, you know, marveling at how everyone could choose their own recipe of tools and still get the recovery. You know, somebody could, you know, uh, be abstinent and read a lot. And somebody else could write and go to a lot of meetings. And of course, how many other permutations? And we all seem to be getting, but it looked like that to me. But I was thinking of it as a nine tool program and the steps was something I really didn't want to do. Uh, and that changed in uh, 2000, 2001, where I began to engage in the big book step study process. I had, Previously, I'd looked for sponsors who would A, fix me and B, not make me change anything. And uh, if you can imagine, that is uh, not, to be found on this earth, in my opinion and my experience. Um, and in 2000, 2001, I, my, it's a vague recollection. It was that, you know, things are starting to slide. I better do something. And this time what I came up with, what I better do is find the most hard ass sponsor I could get and do the big book step study. And uh, that worked to a certain degree. I didn't finish with him. I found him too much of a hard ass, but, uh, um, I have had a far more stable abstinence and been far more involved in the program since that time. Because I, in the big book step, 
Step study. I did a thorough four step. I had more than 400 uh, people on my resentment list. That doesn't include the principals and institutions, and it doesn't include, um, uh, and it understates it because a lot of those people had more than one resentment. Uh, and I completed the four step, it took me several years. Doesn't need to take that long. It's what, what I took in that time. Uh, I'm sorry, I can hear all these people walking around in my house. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, Sorry, uh, I lost my train of thought. I'm going to stop there on that. Uh, I've talked a lot about the steps uh, and their primacy as I think they, they exist in the, and I hope that's what I can be. Higher power. The reason I'm, you know, kind of doctrinaire about uh, mentioning the steps in higher power is because in those first 10, 12 years, being a 100 pound loser, I was often asked to qualify and I, I got, I'm okay at talking. Um, so I'd get asked and I'd talk and then, you know, say it was a 15 minute qualification. I'd get to 14 minutes and think, well, what else can I talk about? Oh, the steps or, oh, higher power. And that was not a mistake. That was a pretty good reflection of what my program was, where the steps and higher power were, oh yeah, I almost forgot instead of being central to my program. I, I had a friend in program earlier who told me that she had given up flour except for pasta. And that's funny because if you take the flour out of pasta, really you just have you know, water and oil. So um, I say that because I had another friend who said, I like OA except for the higher power part. And that, you know, they, you take out the higher power part, there's other stuff maybe you know, metaphorically more than water and oil, but uh, still it's not, you can't make uh, recovery without higher power. And I hated, hated hearing that when I came in. You can't tell me, I know, you know that's how I was. I was militant, I was arrogant, and I was confused because I thought God was a jerk and I thought he didn't exist. And if you noodle about that for just a second, you realize you can't be anything if you don't exist. But I was really passionate and arrogant about my opinion about this. And that refusal, not inability, refusal to explore a higher power is one of the things that kept me you know, in low rev, if not neutral, for many, many years. I thought that uh, I didn't understand how babies could die in house fires. That couldn't be fair. And if the higher power was the one who made that happen, um, I didn't want any part of them. I also thought that people who went to church any worship, uh, were weak, bovine, 
people who needed a crutch to get through their sorry lives. Now, I know that's a really horrible description, uh, but I was arrogant and I was, you know, thought I knew better. Uh, one day I was going to my 10 a.m. meeting on Sunday and I pulled up to the light and it was a, it was a church and I saw these people who had, uh, you know, they had gotten up early to engage in community and fellowship over, over you know, in, to talk about important things. And I thought, what, you know, what simpletons. And then I proceeded to go to my meeting where people had gotten up early on a Sunday to engage in fellowship and community and talk about things that were important to them. Oh, yeah. So I was doing the same thing. You know, now I believe that community is just uh, can't think of the word. It's something everybody wants. I can't think of that word, I'm sorry. Uh, um, sorry, I'm also getting texts, all sorts of distractions. Um, so I was talking about higher Five minutes. Thank you, thank you. Um, so I came in arrogant, militant, confused, and now I'm someone who gets on its knees every morning. I often say throughout the day, please God help me. Uh, I uh, have a job where sometimes I get frustrated and uh, when I, and pretty quickly now, because I've been doing it for a long time, I'll realize what's going on and I'll pause and I'll ask God to help me uh, to be more loving to myself and to be more accepting of the situation. And it's shocking. It's shocking how that works. Now, my uh, worshiping the God of intellect, I don't think that should work. I do not believe in a higher power who sits in the heavens with a white beard waiting by the phone to hear what, I, uh, what I'm asking for. I do have a different but clear vision of who my, what my higher power is. There's a lot I don't get, but I, you know, I draw conclusions from the from the world from the what I can see in the world. So, like community, it's clear that people want to engage in community. So, community is godlike. That's what I think. It's clear, and, and we could be told, you know, a great power like that could tell us, "You must engage in community so that everybody's walking around." Where's my community? Where, you know, no, we're here, and we're supposed to learn certain things. And do we not value things that we learn rather than things that are given to us? And isn't bad necessary to know what good is? If we all lived in Eden, would we know it was that great? Because it would just be like that all the time. So these, I think, are conditions of the world that we live in. Uh, we could be given all the answers, but this higher power has chosen not to, give it, not to give us the answers, but to give us the ability to seek them. It's also made it possible for bad things to happen. And... Uh, last time I violated the thing, uh, the tradition about uh, outside issues. And so today I'm not going to, but there is a book that I read, not conference approved, uh, that talked to me about uh, uh, when bad things happen. And it helped me to begin to see things in new light. 
And I'll tell you what I, what I know, what I believe for sure is that God loves me completely. And I know that's a pretty common thing in religion and in spirituality. Where I part with others is I don't think that gives me any advantage because God loves all of you completely too. God hasn't chosen to give me something at the expense of you or you at the expense of me. God has made it possible for a vast number of things to happen and other things can happen. You know, can't go faster than the speed of light. It's a physical law. Can't, can't fly without uh, mechanical aid. Uh, there are some things that are possible and there's some things that aren't. And our job is to learn from what we experience and try to grow. And all of my growth, most of my growth has come since I've been coming to Overeaters Anonymous. When I shut up, insisting I knew the answer, and instead started asking questions and being willing to do things I didn't think were right, being willing to do them anyway because it seemed to work for a lot of people, certainly prayer. You know, millions of people, thousands of years seems to be working. But I said it shouldn't work, so therefore I reject it. And now I think that it shouldn't work and also it seems to help a lot of people. So do I wanna be right or do I wanna get help? Every one of my objections paled in comparison to um, the outcome. I wanted better outcomes. I was in my 30, I didn't have my first girlfriend until I was 36. I was, you know, as big as a house, I was clueless. I was alone, unhappy, and isolating. Try to figure that one out. I was all mixed up. And I started getting, un, you know, unmixed up when I came into these rooms. That's why I keep coming. I do a lot of service. I would ask you if you're not doing service, why not? It's selfish to do service. And it's one of those paradoxical things, just like prayer. I do it for you and it helps me. How did that work? But there's a lot of service to be done and, uh, and just grab the opportunities because they are what one of the things that helped me stay in recovery. I'll stop there. Thank you. Uh, actually, I gotta go see these people. I'm coming back to the meeting but I'm gonna turn off my camera and I will be back. And uh, thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Michael. And I just wanna read a little paragraph because of Michael's share and it's in how it works. Our stories, oh, sorry. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to the simple program. Usually men and women are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates, they are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those two who will suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have a capacity to be honest. Our stories declare in a general way what we used to be like, what happened and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps.